0: The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.
1: Good morning, Long Island, and welcome to DDI and Autism on 103.9 FM, Keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community, I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas, and again, so glad that you can join us this morning as we share and explore all relevant issues related to autism spectrum disorder. My guest this morning is Scott Herman. Scott is the founder and executive director of Spectrum Sailing, a nationally recognized autism sailing camp that started six years ago after its founder, Scott Herman, learned his son Daniel, who was on the Spectrum, was not allowed to join traditional sailing schools. Spectrum Sailing was born out of necessity. Scott was looking for a sailing camp. His autistic son could attend. Sadly, no one would take him, so he started his own. Welcome, Scott. Good morning. Good morning. A lot to think about, uh, you know, here. so right out of the the gate or the harbor i suppose (laughs) you're a parent (laughs) you're a parent of a young man with uh with autism who's on the on the spectrum it sounds like he was the impetus for for some of your good work uh why don't you tell us a little bit about the roots of uh spectrum sailing
0: sure yes my son daniel who's now 15 um is on the spectrum um He's doing exceptionally well and uh, and thriving. He's a freshman this year in high school, and um, all of that is 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 great. But when we moved back to Charleston, South Carolina, about uh, seven years ago, I tried to get him signed up for a sailing camp. Uh, I'm a lifelong sailor. I think there's a lot of value in getting kids on the water and learning how to sail, and so I really thought it was something that would be um, – would be a great opportunity for him. I also know he had not really thrived in traditional sporting events. You know, we tried soccer, we tried T-ball, we tried those things and they weren't really a great fit. And I thought that sailing would be something that we could do together. So um, it was really important for me to give him an opportunity to learn to sail. And uh, unfortunately here in Charleston, uh, the five existing programs, um, there's four yacht clubs as well as a community sailing center, they didn't have the appropriate staff or um, the appropriate resources to have Daniel participate in the camp. My wife and I didn't really feel that was a, was acceptable. So after he attended an event called Surfer's Healing, which is an amazing organization in their own right, um, that really was the motivation to me to then say, okay, um, I can do this in my own community. So we partnered with uh, a local sailing center And my wife and I funded the first week of um, a specialized autism sailing camp. And um, that, I think the first year we had 10 spots in camp and we had 70 kids apply in the first year. And that's when I kind of realized we had figured something out, that there was definitely a demand. uh, There was definitely a need for this type of programming and that families um, were looking for an opportunity like this. So we ran it locally um, for a handful of years. We obviously made it through covid and then two years ago, I had the idea of taking the program on the road. So last year, um, that's when we formed Spectrum Sailing as our own 501C3. And we really final or formalized our um, existence. And that first year, we were in three cities. We were in Chicago, uh, Sarasota, Florida, and um, here in Charleston, And it was uh, an absolute success. So 60 kids across the country in our first year got to come to our three-day sailing camp for free. And then this year, um, my goal was six uh, to double, but we did a little bit better than that. We had eight camps this year um, across the country. So we had over 160 um, autistic kids have an opportunity to get on the water and learn how to sail. and uh, I don't think there's any looking back now. We're only continuing to grow. In 2024, we're planning on 10 camps. So we'll have over 200 kids get on the water next year um, because of our programming.
1: You know, really just, just great. When you talked about some of the uh, resistance in the other uh, sailing clubs before that, and it seemed from what you said, it was about not having enough resources uh, for the, or the right resources for this population. What do you mean? What, what are the right resources and uh, what are you able to provide?
0: So our camp is a little different than what you would have in a traditional sailing camp. The skills are the same that the kids learn. Uh, and that's, you know, would have been what I would have expected, you know, for Daniel to attend. But we do things a little differently. Um, one thing that we do differently is we use different boats. So traditionally, young kids learn to sail in dinghy sailboats, whether it's an an Opti or uh, Sunfish or small um, dinghy boats that are pretty unstable. They flip over. Um, The kids traditionally are getting wet through camp, as you know, some. Um, some of our autistic youth have issues with sensory issues and don't want to get wet or don't have those, um, the same balance issues maybe that, um, a neurotypical kid would have. So we use keel boats. So we use all larger sailboats that are extremely stable. Um, they don't flip over. You traditionally do not get wet in these boats. Um, and so that's one major difference that we do. We also have, um, We also have adults, Uh, our adult to kid ratio is a little different. Traditionally, in a youth sailing program, you'll have one instructor to maybe 15 kids, we have um, a minimum of eight adults at our camp with 10 kids. So, you know, really kind of stacking the deck on the support side just to make sure that um, there's enough people there to help and and sort of keep the camp moving in the right direction. Um, so those are probably two of the m- biggest difference. We do a lot more on the water than in the classroom. We do have a classroom session each day. Each day they learn a knot of the day and each day we go over a fundamental piece of sailing. Um, but then we really try to get them hands on on the water to experience it more um, than in just the classroom, so those are some of the big differences that we do versus uh, traditional sailing camp.
1: Sure. So the eight to ten is a very intensive ratio; it's almost a a one to one. And um, I believe that some of the, the the support staff have training in as behavioral specialists uh, as well.
0: Right. So um, we have volunteers that we put on the boats with the kids. On often there are. Um, like example, in Charleston, we just partnered with College of Charleston. And so their education college sent us some students who are learning to be special ed teachers. So they had an opportunity to come and work with our kids on the water. So that was a really great experience for the students, not only our sailing students, but also the students from the university to get to kind of take some of their learning from the college and, and apply it hands on. But we've had OTs, PTs, Um, ABA therapists, we've had pediatricians, we get a number of different volunteers that we can pair um, with the sailing instructor to put them on the boat um, together. So there's two adults on every boat. We also partner uh, with an organization um, based in Annapolis called Brendan Sailing, and they have created a curriculum in uh, ways to better teach um, kids, uh, neurodiverse kids, so kids with different learning styles. So, um, you know, most of, um, of these sailing camps have kids that are ADHD or dysgraphia, dyslexia, uh, undiagnosed autism anyway. And so they've created a way for sailing instructors to better teach kids that learn differently. And we bring in that curriculum. So all of our instructors as well as volunteers have an opportunity to go through that training beforehand. So we really feel like we're leaving a better trained staff and leaving the instructors more tools in their toolbox after we leave for them to teach in the, even in their traditional sailing camps.
1: But do you feel that the kids that you're supporting at the camp are walking away or with the same skill set as a neurotypical uh, kid? Are, are they walking away as prepared?
0: I believe so. Um, I've been to, you know, I personally attend every camp and we at every camp we've been uh, that we've hosted, we have kids that are driving the boat, docking the boat, doing uh, all the types of skills that you'd see. And in fact, traditional sailing camps are uh, maybe even longer than ours. Ours are a three-day program. So I think they actually, um, depending on the child, obviously, but I think a majority of the kids there are leaving with skills that would be equal to that of a neurotypical camp. Um, And I also think it's probably the more important thing that they're learning is really the self-esteem and the boost that they get about how they feel like what they've accomplished they leave their self-identifying as a sailor they tell people i'm a sailor now right and these are families that aren't yacht club families these are families that wouldn't have otherwise attended a different sailing camp or their dad or mom or grandparents would teach them to sail we have kids that have never stepped on a dock um i mean i've had kids at multiple camps ask me how are we standing on the water mr scott like, well, this is a floating dock and it's okay. We can walk out here. Right. So to take kids like that, that have never been exposed to boating and never been exposed to being on the water. And by day three, you know, they're, they're helping to trim the sails and they're driving the boat. That's a pretty big jump. And, um, and we do that at, e- at each of our camps. That happens. And not yacht club kids.
1: Uh, that's important. Uh, you know, we're about to go for a break, but when we return, Let's spend a few minutes on the selection process itself, some of the criteria, which I know you have, who the kids are, uh, the, the age range, um, can they swim? Uh, <laughs> you know, What are some of the thoughts behind the, the choices? So stay with us, you're listening to Scott Herman on 103.9 FM, talking about sailing camp that is uh, designed. To be uh, adaptable to kids on the spectrum. Stay with us. Welcome back, Long Island. You're listening to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM, keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. I'm continuing our conversation with our guest, Scott Herman, the Executive Director of Spectrum Sailing. You know, we left off, you know, we left off, Scott, and I was just beginning to ask you a little bit about the selection uh, uh, process for the kids who get to participate, uh, based on what you said, there's real waiting for this, uh, and I'm not surprised. So, what what has to come to the table for uh, a kid to come in on
0: this? So, um, first off, all of our camps are free for the families and for the sailors. I feel if I stand on this soapbox of inclusion, that um, even even offering scholarships uh, or or any other thing for families to pay. Um, I feel is excluding someone. So mm-hmm. I really uh, try to make sure that anyone financially could be included in the camp. And I think there's a pretty strong representation of that. When you attend one of our camps, you can see that these families come from completely across the gamut from a financial standpoint. And I, and I like that and I want it to be that way. So first off, there's no cost. Um, second of all, kids uh, range from 10 to 17. Um, that's our age group. You have an application process on our website when the registration opens for your town. Um, All of our camps are listed on the website and where we're going to be, what the dates are. When you fill that form out, there's uh, some handful of questions in there um, about, you know, some things, you know, how does your child do with noises? How does your child handle certain things? Um, You know, some, we do have some limitations. Um, One of our questions is, is English your primary language? We've had some kids that have attended camp that didn't, um, speak English. So that was a bit of a challenge for us, but, um, you know, we, we definitely still let them come, but there's certain things that we can't, um, that we can't handle. One of them is, you know, I only speak English. So, but for the most part, uh, every kid has an opportunity to register. Um, we then have, uh, those kids, um, go through a lottery system and then those kids are picked. We average about, um, two to one applications for, um, actual camp spots, We have 20 spots at each of our camps. I know I mentioned 10 kids um, earlier, but that's because we have a morning session and then an afternoon session. So camp is um, either nine to noon or one to four for three days. So they have three half days on the water with us. Um, Don't have to be able to swim. We don't do a swim test. We are um, very diligent with life jackets. We put them on in the classroom when we leave. Um, Again, I feel like having a swim test is going to exclude certain people. Um, and I don't really think it's necessary because of the boats that we choose. We're using keel boats for a lot of reasons. One of them is the, the stability and safety. And so, um, you know, as long as they're comfortable getting on and off the boat, we're fine with them, um, with them attending. So um, that's uh, really pretty much anyone that fits those couple requirements have an opportunity to apply and come with us. Um, uh, you know, if they get picked through the lottery, then they can come out and sail with us.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, you know, for people like myself who ha- don't have a whole lot of background in, in sailing for you know for our listeners, I'm assuming a keel boat is a flat bottom uh boat. What you know, is that what that means? Or what is a keel So
0: a keel boat is a boat that has an actual keel. So a large weight that goes down into the water. So right. underneath the boat, there is um, a uh, mechanical support essentially. I mean, you have a lead weight down below to make sure that the boat won't tip over uh this doesn't apply when i talk to kids but think of like weebles when you were the toys they they (laughs) fall over they won't fall over right um they don't fall down that's sort of how i mean kids today don't even know what a weeble is but um Mm -hmm. but yeah so they i mean there's a there's physics and and math and science in play that keep the boat from flipping over so they Mm -hmm won't actually flip over so um yeah so the kids don't have to worry about that when the boats that traditionally um kids would learn to sail on have um either a centerboard or a dagger board and that isn't a weighted piece so the boat actually can flip over um mm-hmm. and that's more traditionally what kids uh, in a traditional camp would would use so um in fact, they have like capsized drills and you learn how to flip the boat back over because most likely you're going to flip those little boats over. So um, and again, that in that case, a swim test and and things of those nature are much more appropriate. And, and from the safety side, because of the boats we use, you know, being able to swim is not a requirement.
1: Uh, is there any requirement for insurance?
0: So we carry our uh, uh, spectrum sailing has general liability and we have camp insurance, Um, the child does not have to have um, any insurance. We don't collect any of that information.
1: So you've talked a little bit about the selection process for individuals. Once they're able to participate or chosen to participate, are they, is it kind of like a cohort where they're grouped together in ways that might seem like they would be successful or uh, interact with each other well?
0: Yeah, so um, the first day when they come in the class, know there's 10 of them so you can imagine day one um you know and, and all of these kids have very different abilities and different strengths and weaknesses so we try to feel that out pretty quickly in the classroom and then pair them up appropriately um and then we pair them with what we feel would be the best um the best instructor and the best other adult um for them to work with on the water um you know, sometimes we, we miss that. You know, we've had a couple of times where maybe the personalities of the two uh, or two or three kids that are together, aren't um, maybe meshing great. And we can always make adjustments. Sometimes we have different volunteers day to day. So um, for the most part, though, we, we get it pretty right most of the time. And then a lot of times those kids want to um, stay together. They kind of learn as a team. Um, I think this is one of the benefits of what we offer um, you know, there's a lot of therapies out there for for um, autistic youth and, you know, you use like equestrian, for example. I mean, that's mm-hmm. amazing. And some kids have had amazing successes. The, the difference is usually you're by yourself, right? You're on the horse alone. The thing that we do from the first minute our class starts is we do name introductions because I tell them all we have to know each other because we have to work together to make the boat go. None of these boats are a one-person boat, right? We're in these larger keel boats, And so when I put four kids or three kids together, each of them is going to have a job on the boat and they have to work together to make the boat go. So um, I think that um, interaction and that um, almost forced social pairing is is one of the benefits of what we offer because, again, they're sort of forced to be together. Um, So if you're a child who maybe normally wouldn't choose an activity with a group well, you don't really have a choice because we're going to all get on the boat together and we have to work together to go sailing. So uh, by day three, you know, these kids are swapping cell phone numbers and their parents are changing, um, you know, information so they can all get together. I mean, it really builds some strong relationships. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so we have to pair them in that way. And then, like I said, usually we knock get out of the park and they all get along pretty well, but um, occasionally we have to make some swaps, but uh, for the most part, they often want to sail with the same group day to, day after day.
1: Yeah, you know, real a real bonding, and as I think you're suggesting, so so relevant to the issue of autism, where there might be an inclination towards social isolation, and fewer abilities, right? Fewer abilities to uh, to come together and form enduring, you know, enduring friendships. Yep. So it seems like an, a really nice, uh, you know, obviously, it's such a really nice uh, takeaway. Yeah, you know, we. Oh, no, please.
0: I was just going to say, we had a, a situation in the Michigan camp. We were on Mackinac Bay in Holland, Michigan this summer. And um, the mom pulled me aside after the first day and said, you know, my daughter hasn't done any outside activities this summer. This is the first thing I've made her do outside. Right. And we got blessed. The weather was amazing. And she was high school-ish age. And we had this other young uh, boy. He, I don't know, he was probably 10 or 11 And they were paired together to sail just random on the first day. By day three, um, I mean, she was like his big sister. She's helping him with the life jackets and they're walking together. And okay, come on, let's go to the boats together. I mean, they really were a pair. And the mom came to me on the last day and was tearing up talking about the relationship that she had formed with this younger sailor that she really felt like she was sort of this motherly figure for this other kid. And it was really great. Um, that they were able to work together and sail together. And the one day she brought in like a snack for the other kid. And like, it was just really awesome to see them interact. And again, that's just organically formed, right? We don't force that kind of relationship. It just happens because, you know, they're spending, you know, three hours a day on the water together for three days. So yeah, it's pretty, there's some pretty cool stories out of that.
1: Well, a number of camps that you're able to offer continue to grow almost exponentially, which is exciting. If we wanted to bring something uh, to bring you uh, to Long Island, what what would need to be in place?
0: Yeah, obviously, you're lucky because you are in a great location for sailing. The water there is awesome, and you have uh, huge community support, I'm assuming, on the sailing side. I, in fact... Um, started all of my boating um, in Huntington, Long Island. Um, so I personally would love to bring the camp there. We really look for a community partner, um, a community sailing center or a yacht club that wants us to come we use local boats and we use local instructors. Once we have that in place, um, which normally is uh, normally these clubs line up for opportunities to to bring in different um, different kids from their community to get to sail. So once we have that in place, um, then it's just working with um, some community donors and get some volunteers, and then uh, finding the kids that want to learn to sail is is the easy part. We can always fill our camps up, so we'd love to come to Long Island, yeah.
1: Uh, we would love to have you. I was just about to say that I suspect there'll be no shortage of uh, of kids, and the waiting list will be will be filled by Long Island uh, Long Island as well. Thank you, know, thank you, Scott Herman. Thank you. I. As I mentioned uh, in our hello, such good work, such a tremendous opportunity for kids on, on the spectrum. Uh, there's something uh, there's a metaphor about sailing, isn't there? That uh, there's a, there's a built in metaphor about moving peacefully on the water and, and, and in life that's very appealing, uh, uh, very appealing. So on that good note, thank you so much. I want to hear more and we want to know more about uh, uh, the connection with Long Island. So, So thank you.